Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. Let me get into this show right here. Yesterday, there was a pretty big game for me. I know some mofos didn't give a damn, but I gave a damn. Why? Because yesterday, there was a game between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. Now, as you guys know, the Dallas Mavericks historically have always been a tough matchup uh, for the Clippers. But Kawhi Leonard and these guys have always beat them in the playoffs. Nevertheless, they've been a very tough matchup, especially with uh, Luka Doncic being able to take 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 advantage of those switches that they do on those, uh, those switches when they used to switch to Zubak or um, <clears throat> Patrick Beverly or, or uh, Lou Williams and stuff like that in the past, right? And he's he's really had his way uh, with the team. So he's always been a very cu- tough cover uh, for the Clippers historically, right? And he always plays well. So they had this game in Dallas. They had just won eight games in a row, which means that they were going for nine games in a row, and their streak was on the line. Now, if the Clippers lost, it didn't really matter because they've been playing really well. So if they lost that game, it would have been, they would have been, what, what uh, uh, two and eight and two out of their last 10 games. So I'd be like, okay, fine. But I wanted them to win. So they went into that game, <clears throat> and I was watching the game. Uh, in the first half, they were up big, right? They were playing very well. But then the Dallas Mavericks started to rally in that second – no, towards the end of the second half. Uh, excuse me, the second quarter. Uh, and then uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. hit a pretty big feed. Somebody uh, – excuse me. Um, By the way, somebody bet me $1,000 that I didn't watch the game. I did watch the game. So how do I how do I get my $1,000, please? How do I get my thousand dollars? Since you're ready to bet me a thousand dollars, I would like my thousand, please, uh, please let me know how I'm, how I'm supposed to be able to do. That. I need to leave an email because you were so sure. Because when I was sitting out on the couch watching the game at two a.m., three a.m. in the morning, you were sitting right next to me watching the game, right? But anyway, <laughs> I digress. So <clears throat> Clippers played fantastically well in the first half, and then what happened in the second half? Uh, it was an absolutely different ball game, totally different ball game. Uh, and what do you call it? The Dallas Mavericks began to rally, right? And when I say rally, I'm talking about they really started rallying. To give you guys some more in-depth information about this, I want to give you guys the box score. In the first half, the Clippers scored, pop, 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 they scored uh, 67 points on 43%, no, 59% shooting from the field, uh, 43.8% shooting from the three, 93% from the free throw line. The Dallas Mavericks scored 56 points on 41%, 41.7% shooting from the field, 42.9%. Now, let me give you guys the data of what happened in the third quarter. In that third quarter, right, <clears throat> Clippers had a lead. In the third quarter, the Clippers only scored 18 points on 38% shooting, 36.8% shooting from the field on 12.5% shooting from the three. The Dallas Mavericks shot 42% from the field. And then uh, in that quarter, they scored 27. So they actually outscored them by what? To what? Nine points. Then in the fourth quarter, things started to even out. And in that fourth quarter, I'm not going to lie to you, uh, it was a very, very close game. Uh, and the Clippers just fought. And they kept on fighting and kept on fighting. And then the best player on the floor stood up. And who's the best player? It was Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard then proceeds to go in the fourth quarter, going 4-6 from the field, scoring, uh, shooting 66.7% from the field, and scoring 10 points with two made free throws. He had, what, one uh, to what one rebound, uh, was it two assists, and zero turnovers, and the Clippers ended up outscoring the Dallas Mavericks 35-28. to And he came up big, especially towards the end of the game. He started hitting, uh, what is it, very big plays. And if I look at the 
the total box score, he finished the game off with 30 points on 54% shooting from the field. He did not shoot very well from the three. He shot 16.7%, which is unlike him because he's been shooting very well from the three this season. Uh, but he did get 10 rebounds, five assists, and had zero turnover. Right? So he didn't hurt his team uh, from that standpoint. And I was absolutely elated. Now, I want to address another point uh, because we've had some people on the channel. I guess he's a diehard Clipper fans that have been questioning my allegiance. When the Clippers initially made the trade for James Harden, I was amongst the people that did not think it would work. And I thought that it was totally unnecessary because the Clippers at the time had the best three-man lineup in the NBA with Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. So I didn't see the need for it. And then when they did go out there and pull out that trade, what did they do? They decided that they were going to have a starting lineup that was comprised of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Avitsa Zubak. And I said, this is going to be an absolute disaster. And that's exactly what it turned out to be. They ended up losing five games in a row with Harden. And I said that the only way this thing is going to work, either Harden or Russell Westbrook needs to go to the bench. Then Russell Westbrook stood up, being the leader that he is, and said, hey, listen, I elect to go to the bench for the betterment of the team. The minute that happened, we made a video about, a video about it, and I said, I expect the Clippers to start playing well. I said that. Now, what has happened since Russell Westbrook decided to go to the bench and what's happening now? If I told you I foresaw this happening, it would be a total lie because I did not. I did not see this team being so good. That's why when he went on a two-game winning streak, three-game winning streak, four-game, I was like, I'm not talking about it because I don't know. Maybe it's fool's goal. But when they went to five, when they went to six, when they went to seven, eight, nine, I'm like, no, I got to talk about it. And then some Clipper friends were like, no, 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 you get jumping on the bandwagon. And I said, listen, Unless you guys want somebody that's going to sit up here and pacify you guys and lie to you, then you're in the wrong channel. If the Clippers are not playing well, I'm going to call it out. I'm going to call it out. If they are playing well, I will acknowledge them. I am not going to risk looking like a bozo to the rest of my audience to pacify a certain set of Clipper fans that want me to just say nice things and make excuses when they lose. I'm being fair and balanced. When they play well, you congratulate them. When they don't, you don't make excuses. You call it exactly like that's how you maintain your respect from other people within the audience. Because if you turn out just being one of those guys who's going to sit up here, twerk it up all over the place for your favorite team and your favorite players, but then be going hard at other players and other teams, they're going to be like, this guy's not serious. And I don't want to be that type of commentator. And if that means me jumping off the bandwagon, I don't care. I'm going to call it exactly like I see it. Now I'm praising them because they deserved it. And I'm also saying James Harden is exceeding my ex. I didn't see him playing as well. Someone asked me this morning. They sent me a message on Instagram. They're like, how good do you think this team can be? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. Because I'd be lying to say if I did because I didn't foresee this. They are playing at a level that I, that I cannot believe. I cannot believe how well these guys are gelling. I cannot believe it. And I got to say this, and I was thinking about it yesterday. I'm saying usually in the past, teams like the Mavericks really, really, really used to give the Clippers headache. But James Harden presents something that he's just a problematic player to defend. He just is for, for some teams, and he wreaks all kind of havoc on the court with his ability to draw fouls, hit open players, hit I mean, his ability to pass, which is incredible, if I'm being honest. It's incredible. He's a better passer than uh, Russell Westbrook. He is a extremely talented passer like it's not even close they they have not i think they won the last time the clippers had a player this good at the point guard position was chris paul it's unreal 
and he's improving his defense. The team has improved defensively, and he's six foot five. He may not have the lateral quickness, but he's you can see him hustling on defense. And if you try to post him, he can defend you. If you try to put a big body on him, he can hold his own. When Luka tried to post him yesterday, he could hold his own because James Harden's a big boy. So to me, listen, uh, this team, I don't even know where they can go at this point. I don't know. I don't know what the ceiling is. I don't know. But if they keep playing like this, uh, you know, everyone is going to be forced to take notice of it, which brings me to the real point of this show here, which is Kawhi Leonard. I've been saying over the last few days that Kawhi Leonard needs to be in the MVP conversation. And I'm going to continue to say it louder. Early this season, did y'all hear me mention Kawhi Leonard to be in the MVP conversation? No, you didn't. I'm not like these other clown-ass creators that will find any reason to put their favorite players in the MVP discussion knowing that they damn well don't deserve it. Their team could be the seventh seed in their conference. Well, if it wasn't for this player, he got the, I'm not doing that. The reason I believe Kawhi Leonard needs to be in the MVP conversation is because he is earning it. Let me give you guys some data about Kawhi Leonard. Over the last 10 games, this is according to StatMuse, Kawhi over the last 10 games is averaging 20 not, no 28.7 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, 3.7 assists. Uh, he's, uh, what is he? he's shooting, what is it, 60% from the field, 60.5% from the field, 52% from the free throw, from the three-point line, and 94% from the free throw line. What, what, and a plus minus of 10. Who's putting up numbers like this with this level of efficiency? Those are his numbers over the last 10. Now, his regular season stats are not catching up to his these last 10 games uh, because of how he started off, but he's beginning to skew towards that direction. On the regular season, he's scoring 24, 24.4 points per game on 52% shooting, on, with 40, shooting 42.9% from the free throw line, from the three-point line while shooting 87%. But I want to get to some other people. Because I've been heard, oh, no, 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 Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, here's some fun facts. Joel Embiid is putting up a monstrous 35 points per game on 54% shooting, 33% from the field. He, these, these are gaudy numbers. But Kawhi Leonard is winning as well. I think, that, I think the Philadelphia 76ers are, excuse me, not are, have won five, no, excuse me. They're 7 and 10 out of the last, they're 7 and 3 out of the last 10. They won one in a row, right, one in a row. They've won one game. Clippers have won nine in a row. Some people say, well, Kawhi Leonard has played, Kawhi Leonard has played more games than Joel Embiid. Kawhi's played 27. Joel Embiid has played 25. Let's look at other uh, uh, MVP candidates. Nikola Jokic, he's played 28. Kawhi Leonard's played 28. And his team has a slightly better record than the Clippers. His team is what? 19 and 10. The Clippers are 17 and 10. But they didn't have a major transplant take place throughout the, uh, this season like the Clippers did. And the Clippers right now are the number four seed in the, in the Western Conference. Luka Doncic is putting up great numbers as well. He's played 26 games, but Kawhi Leonard has a better record, and he's beat him more times head up. So to me, I'm not saying Kawhi Leonard should be the MVP. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, however, is he should be in the conversation. And if he can't be in the conversation, no one else can. No one else deserves to be. Now, you may say, oh, Joel, Joel Embiid is a front runner. No problem. No problem. I'll concede that to you. But to say he shouldn't be a part of the conversation, you lose me. He absolutely deserves to be in the conversation because the number one reason people have used in the past, and I understand, is, oh, well, he does he doesn't play games. Cannot use that excuse this time. We cannot. He has been playing games this season, and we're talking about this season. 
And some people said, oh, well, uh, but you know, you got to give him the benefit because he got to lose. And they, 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 nobody wants to give the Clippers the benefit. So why do we give Nikola Jokic the benefit of the doubt all of those years when he was winning regular season MVPs and he had never won anything in the finals? Why did we give him the benefit of the doubt? Why did we give Joel Embiid the benefit of the doubt last year? What has Joel Embiid won in the playoffs? Nothing. But when it comes to Kawhi turn, well, you know, we don't want to get, come on, like, stop. Give it up. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. I want to get uh, straight straight into this topic here. As you guys know, the Lakers uh, went out there and basically had a very, very embarrassing loss yesterday. And if, I, if I'm being totally honest with you, I was surprised to see that the Lakers lost that game. They were playing against... Uh, what is it? The Chicago Bulls. And let me just look at the Bulls record quickly. Who are, think about this. They were 11 and 17 coming into that game. 11 and 17 coming into that game. So I thought, I mean, smart money would have thought, okay, the Lakers are going to win that game. But instead what happens? They go in there and they end up get, they end up losing 124 uh, to 108 points. And I was actually watching bits and pieces of the game because they started, oh man, I think they started, uh, I don't know if they started before. I think after the Clippers game, so I don't, I don't remember. But I was going, going back and forth from NBA.com, NBA League Pass, watching um, uh, both games. And I couldn't believe that the Lakers were losing that game. There were points where they tried to make a run, make a rally. Well, I actually thought, okay, they're going to overcome this team. They're going to catch up and then ultimately topple them, given the amount of veterans that they have in their, on their ball club. But nevertheless, um, they were not able to make up that. They were not able to make up. Uh, the ground that they gave up, and ultimately they lost the game. And if I now look at the Western Conference standings, the Lakers currently sit at, hmm, let me see, the eighth seed. To put this in context, a few days ago they were in the sixth seed. So they're now at the eighth seed. They've lost three in a row, uh, and they're five and five out of their last 10 games. Um, and it's now causing some people to ask questions. Well, what's the real problem? What's the issue? What's the cause of this? Do you know what the cause is? Do you know what the cause I don't know what the cause is. So what happened? I, t- I, I tuned into ESPN today, and I came across a segment from ESPN First Take, and it was one of their quick takes um, uh, segments. And they were asking, uh, what's good day? Molly Karen was asking Shannon Sharp, a, a, you know, a list of questions. Uh, and it got to the point where they were talking about the Lakers. But before she asked the question, she played a quick soundbite uh, from Derek Fisher, former Laker, former five-time champion with the Lakers, um, you know, to kind of give his synopsis on what he thinks the reason is for the Lakers now going one and four since the play-in tournament. So what we want to do is want to quickly play what Derek Fisher had to say and then play what Shannon Sharp had to say in response to the you know some of the woes that the Lakers have been facing and then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen uh, to what Shannon Sharp had to say here. Another night, another Lakers loss. LeBron and company fell to the Bulls by 16 for their third straight loss. They're 1-4 since winning the in-season tournament. Derek Fisher had some, some thoughts on what's going on in L.A. In-season tournament conversation, that is a variable. I think there is a reason why you wait until the end to celebrate, you know, winning a championship. <laughs> or go into that mode. Yeah, or go into that mode playoff where, mode. you know, yeah. for three or four games, you, you race to that playoff level. They, we know that after the, the season ends or after you win it or wrap up, yeah. there is a letdown. All right, quick take, Shay. This one's for you. Interesting point there by Derek Fisher. How concerned are you about your Lakers? Well, I'm concerned because they're not playing defense. They allowed the Bulls to shoot 55% last night. They had eight players in double figures. And since the in-season tournament, D'Lo hadn't been able to find locate his shot. He's shooting 34% from the floor, 22% from the three-point line. That's not good enough. 
the scoring load, the onus has been on LeBron and AD, and AD is still having problems with those hips. And guys that were brought in to defend, the uh, Cam Reddish, the Torian Princess, I don't see the defensive effort that I need to see when you allow a team to shoot 55% and eight guys are in double figures. Yes, I am concerned. I don't know about no letdown, but they need to pick it up. So you heard what Shannon Sharp had to say. Hear my thoughts. Listen, um, some people are attributing this to the play-in tournament. I got to ask you guys a, a very serious question. Uh, excuse me. How hard was the play-in tournament? Did they fly to Jupiter to go? Did they go to Tokyo to go play that game? The, the final, or did they just fly to, to Las Vegas, a place you can just fly to from L.A.? I'm, I, yes, it must have been some emotions in it. But for God's sakes, they did not just come off a two-month playoff run. The playing tournament was a thing that was happening on Saturdays and Friday, like just these games that were just popping up at various points of the night uh, in the regular season. I don't think it was, oh, my God, they come. And that's it. Okay, let me let me ask you guys a question. And let's think about this sensibly. If it is, in fact, the plan, and let's say the plan equates to a seven-game series because that's how many games you need to win it. Are you telling me that if the Lakers go through a playoff series in which they play seven games to advance to the next round, you're telling me that they're supposed to totally lay an egg the next round because they're tired? No, I'm trying to figure this out. Are you telling me that, okay, they went through a seven-game playing tournament? Good. So if they now move to the next round in the playoffs where games are more intense, where you can play more physical, you're telling me that they should be totally gassed for the next seven games? Here's what I think. I think that there was a financial incentive uh, for the Lakers and those teams to play hard, and that's why they played hard. There was money to go after. And in this case, it wasn't guaranteed money. But you're talking about guys that are worth a few hundred million dollars, want more money? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There was a financial incentive. Let me ask, do you sincerely believe? Do you sincerely believe that these guys have been playing that hard if there was no financial incentive? If they, if they, if they, if there was, then why don't they play hard for the All-Star game? They didn't play hard for the All-Star game and they, and they actually had cash prizes for various organizations. They don't, they didn't care. The, the financial incentive is gone and therefore the care is gone. They don't care. I don't buy it. Oh my God, it's a fatigue and blah, blah, blah. Man, please. I'm not buying it. These are supposed to be the most conditioned basketball players in the world, and you're telling me they can't recover from a playing tournament? Are you freaking kidding me? I don't buy it. I don't buy it. They're not playing good basketball, period. Let's not put it on the in-season tournament. They did not win the, tro the, the, the championship. Let's stop. Let us stop. I watched the Clippers play for two months or two straight rounds, damn near, and only get one game off for like two straight rounds in the playoffs, two and a half months in the playoffs. And they were playing every night. So what's the excuse here? I don't, I don't, I'm not buying it. Y'all are playing games with, 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 with fans. Oh no, it's the emotional let Emotional letdown of what? They didn't win a championship. What are you talking about the emotional letdown? So if the team gets to the playoffs by the second round, I'm weird gas, man. We can't play anymore. We're out of here. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. And in the playoffs, teams are usually playing every other night. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. They're just not playing good basketball, period. Don't try to put it on the playing tournament. They did not just play. Uh, 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 they didn't just come from the finals. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going for it. Uh, and I don't think you should either. I'm sick of these excuses and all of the games that people play in the media. Call it like it is. I, and I, don't, I don't buy it. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment.
recently John Morant made his return uh, to the NBA. Uh, and he made it in a big way. Came back, hit a game-winning b- bucket uh, for his team. I believe he finished that game with something like 34 points, although he was a bit rusty in the first half. But in the second half, he really came on strong. But then what happened? Um, at the end of the game, as he was leaving, he was running through the tunnel, and he said, I kept receipts, right? I kept receipts. And then he went to the post-game conference where he was basically saying that he kept receipts of some of the things uh, that were being said about him or that's been said about him over the, you know, over the past six months or whatever. Now, at the time when we initially covered the story, I was thinking more of what had just transpired on the court, and it didn't really occur to me uh, the points that we're going to be going over in today's show. So what happened? After he said that, <clears throat> I started to listen to what some of the other voices in sports media were saying about his comments. And then people like Nick Wright and uh, Rob Parker and these people really began to make me think about, wait wait a minute, they're making an interesting point. And their point essentially was, what is, what did John Morant keep receipts about? They're like, John Morant is acting like as if someone put him in the position that he found himself in. When in reality, he was the one that did it to himself. And I thought, man, these guys are making uh, some very, very sound points and points that I didn't think about at the time. So what we want to do is we want to play what Rob Parker had to say on the Yacht Couple yesterday and play some of the comments that uh, that Nick Wright made on um, First Things First and then we want to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to what these gentlemen had to say uh, in response to John Moran's comments. Take a listen to that. But Rob, after the game, Ja, you know, he's excited. He runs off the court, running into the locker room. And he says to just random cameras, I guess, as he's running into the locker room, I kept receipts. I kept receipts. And um, is he returning something to Bloomingdale? Something we don't yeah, know about? I, I don't think so. So okay. uh, I think you know what he meant. He kept receipts. <laughs> Thank you. And Alex. you didn't like it. Uh, share your thoughts with us. I, I just think that uh, had he uh, had seven points in the game, would he have run out and told the media that he had receipts of the people who said whatever they said when they said it? And number two, nobody did anything to him. Right. He did this to himself. He wasn't suspended for 25 games because they had already suspended him and warned him about his activities off the court, and he did it anyway. What receipts are there for anybody? Nobody's done anything to him other than analyze the situation, talk about what went down, how stiff the penalty was, was it just? Nobody did anything to him. Was the same thing when Dion uh, after they won BTCU and Ed Werner? Do you believe now? And I'm, I'm all this other stuff. I didn't hear any of that, Chris, when they blew a twenty-nine nothing lead, or when they lost five of the last six games, or they were getting drilled. Nobody was talking about receipts. Stop with the receipts, okay? Nobody did anything to him, and you just wonder. And I understand. He had a big night. He feels he can stick his chest out and right. thumb his nose at everybody. Nobody did anything to Ja Morant, Chris. Ja did it to himself. And the, the sooner you let that go and move past that and just get back to being a great basketball player, having fun at the game, and get your name out of the, the headlines for bad stuff and good stuff, that's how you move on. Worrying about what people wrote and said when you were suspended or when you got suspended is to me is counterproductive. A, I think that they are likely going to be on the outside looking in. 
B, and this is the part where I'm actually going to be the downer. I don't I, – I, I love watching John Morant play basketball. I also don't think John Morant's a bad guy. I want to make that clear. I think he makes some, he's made some really terrible choices, sure. and I think that he has to mature. I don't put him in the bucket of some guys off-court stuff, and we don't have to get into it. I'm like, oh, you're a bad person uh, who might just be great at a sport. I don't think that about John. But I also once again wonder how much growth or learning or maturing he's done with the I kept receipts. Kept receipts about what? What was, I'm just curious, and I'm being serious here, and I know I sound, and sometimes I say things, I'm like, gosh darn, you sound like your dad, and I guess we all do that to a degree, and I don't mean to. But what was the unfair commentary? What was the, John Morant got so many levels to me of equivocation or justification for what was undeniably reckless irresponsible, immature behavior. You know, at the very least, it was that. Right. And, and I just, it, 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 you know what it echoed to me? It echoed after the first time he got suspended or stepped away when his dad showed up at the game and they're wearing the redemption T-shirts. And it's like, it, you, I am not a huge fan of the I have overcome the adversity that I created through my own ludicrous actions, Mm -hmm. and therefore I'm the hero of the story. And so it's a great moment, but I don't necessarily believe in the Grizzlies as a team, and I'm not certain that like we're going to have a new and improved John Morant. So you heard their points. Listen, I think these guys make a fair point. They absolutely make a fair point, and I think that Ja may risk... um, reigniting the conversation around did this guy learn anything has he truly learned anything because if that's your central focus after the first game of you coming back it means that you maybe really didn't get the lesson maybe you went away and thought that someone did this to me they put me in this spot they are attacking me as opposed to thinking well wait a minute I'm the reason that I'm here. And it's a, listen, it's a very hard thing to do because in life, whenever we get frustrated, whenever things happen, the last person we point fingers at is ourselves. It's usually the last person. It's our girlfriend's fault. It's our wife's fault. It's our husband's fault. It's your mother's fault. It's your dad's fault. It's your boss's fault. It's the person up the block. Is this person over there? Is that person at the, in, the, in the subway? Is that person at the gym? It's always everybody else. It's the government, it's the law, it's all of this stuff. And then we get to the point where we're like, okay, but wait a minute. What role did we play in all of this? And sometimes it's not your fault, but sometimes it is. And sometimes once you get into that point of self-reflection and you start going through, well, what did I do? What have I done? Then you quickly begin to realize, oh, wait a minute. I played a role in all of this. Let me trace my decisions that I've made over these past six months, year, whatever it is, and understand what role those things played in my current predicament and chances are there's always a level of culpability uh that needs to be laid upon us as well no matter the situation no matter the situation oh i think she's crazy i'm dating her she's crazy she says a lot of crazy yeah but you knew you when you when you you took her out to eat and she said that comment you're like what did she say and you decided to overlook you knew or i I think he has problems you knew so i don't want to i don't want it to be that Ja feels like someone is attacking him because when he was doing all of those things, he was doing on his own volition. No one is forcing him to do a damn thing. No one forced him to do a damn thing. So 
I think they make a valid point. Like, hey, bro, stop with the victimhood. Like, oh, they did it to me. I'm keeping receipts. Because the fact of the matter is the vast majority of the people in media were rooting for John. They want him to do well. He's a sensational, electrifying player. Now, Jay Williams of ESPN brought up a very good point, which is, listen, uh, he's doing this to kind of channel his anger to feel like, okay, people are against me, and this can be um, self-motivating. Like, okay, I can motivate myself because people, I understand that. And Jay Williams brings up a valid point because you could you could do that. You're using a certain emotion, um, which is a negative emotion, which could also be useful. But in this particular case, I don't believe that's what Jaws is doing. I believe Jaws like, I'm going to show y'all, right? And the, the, the you know Nick Wright and Rob Parker are asking, well, who are the y'all? Thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms.